Hello, and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart, and in this episode, we're talking with Akshay Sura. Uh, Akshay is a Sitecore MVP, and uh, definitely, if you're a member of the Sitecore community, you've probably run into him. Akshay, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, I, I guess you're you're definitely famous for uh, you've kind of made a name for yourself for kind of bringing that bringing the Sitecore community together. I guess what is it that kind of drove you? Uh, in the past years, I mean, you were you were instrumental behind organizing SugCon uh, here in North America a couple of years back. Instrumental in getting uh, a Slack community set up for uh, Sitecore. Uh, instrumental in organizing a, a hackathon around Sitecore. And I think we'll we'll get into each of those topics as we kind of move on. But I, I'm just I'm curious what what kind of motivates you from from a from a standpoint of just bringing bringing the Sitecore community together. Well, um, my major problem was that it was all disconnected, right? Like, so there were some people on Twitter. Twitter for Sitecore was relatively not as active as it is today. Um, and then there were a few people on LinkedIn, but there were a gazillion groups. Um, same thing with Facebook. I mean, I honestly haven't been promoting anything on Facebook until this year, but it was all fragmented, and depending on the geographic region you belong to, you would have to go to certain social uh, network in order to promote that specific event. So the, the bigger need was being able to reach all the Sitecore community or most of it so the message trickles down. So the, out of that need um, was Slack. Out of that need was the, is the new like Sitecore community newsletter where we don't have access to the umpteen number of email addresses for all the certified developers and, you know, whoever works on Sitecore, whether they're certified or not. And that need is what drove Slack um, as well as the community newsletter to bring people together. Yeah. When I spoke with Mark Cassidy, you know, who's, who's pretty instrumental in getting the Sitecore Stack Exchange site off the ground, it was, you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting that you look at a platform like Sitecore. It is not, it, it's not a free open source project, right? It's not like WordPress or or any of the other kind of content management systems are, are out there. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a for purchase platform. And, and, and along those lines, it's not, you know, it's not an inexpensive platform either. It's, you know, definitely delivers a lot for the value, you know, for, you know, a lot of value for the the price that uh, an organization would pay for. But it, it's, to me, having watched kind of, there has always been a Sitecore community, but I would say within the past, say, two years, um, it's really kind of come together. And I find it kind of fascinating that you have a lot of, um, but frankly, potentially competing individuals uh, willing to share information on, um, on, on, on a platform that again is is not uh, you know it doesn't come from the, the the that culture of you know free open source software it is you know it, it's definitely paid I find it I find it quite interesting yeah I mean I, I think people are a lot more open to sharing now than they did a couple of years ago too so it was more of proprietary I have a set of I mean everyone does right like you have it I have it a set of proprietary you know, base solutions where we roll it out for every project or 
common code and it used to be protected before. Um, that was one thing we've always tried to promote the fact that you should share. If you have knowledge, there is no no reason why you should restrict yourself. So be it whether you share it, you know, via blog posts or user groups. But the sharing is one of the most important things. And one of the other things which is interesting too is if it weren't for something like Slack, I would have never ever spoken to people on the other side of the pond or anywhere else in the world, for instance, right? So right now I could be having a conversation with someone in Australia or someone in Europe and I wouldn't have known half of these guys other than just their names and what I see in like the social network stuff so it's really I I, you know I know a lot more people now (laughs) than I did a couple of years ago just because we have so many conversations on slack and other channels yeah I I, I'd agree as well I think eye-opening to me um, has been talking with other folks that freelance on the platform and just kind of swapping, you know, not really psych core stories, but just kind of business stories of, you know, how, how they approach their business. Um, and, and I'd agree. I, I've had more conversations with folks, you know, whether they're based in the UK or other, other European countries. And I think it just, you know, time wise, it works out that we're on, you know, there's an overlap of time where we're both online at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you know, I, a lot of those individuals, I don't think I would have had those conversations with as well. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So, kind of going back, uh, when I had Mike Mike Reynolds on the show, um, kind of uh, one of the first episodes, you know, we kind of spoke about uh, spoke about you and you and him were instrumental in getting um, the the Psychor User Group Convention or SugCon um, organized and and running in in New Orleans, and I think. It was a testament to uh, a testament to the interest in that. Given you guys sold that thing out, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we were over capacity on day one for sure. So we were shooting for like anywhere in the in the two hundreds mark, and then the moment we closed it, everyone started going crazy. So on day one, we had over four hundred people, uh, and it's really I think it suck on attributes to the community honestly if it wasn't for the community we wouldn't have been so big and we never thought it would get this big our main goal was you know hey we have so many user groups everything's disconnected again and we have these individual places which have in-person user groups which aren't really i I mean honestly in my opinion they aren't really working as much as a we would want them to because they're smaller groups, right? But now that's evolving where people are live streaming as well as have in person. So I think that kind of works. Um, but potentially it would be awesome if we can reach a lot more people. And that was our goal. And we, being in the United States, we have a unique advantage, right? So companies here, if from a sidecore perspective, have a lot more money uh, in terms of license purchases as well as spend. Mm-hmm. And a lot more MVPs, a lot more resources are based in the United States. So it was really a combination of everything together, which worked in our favor. And then on, uh, and then Peter and Mark helped us coordinate, um, and Melissa helped us coordinate with the MVP Summit, and then falling back on, and then Hedgehog and Brainjocks, both of them really worked. Uh, amazingly well in coordination as well so everything like everything together worked out and the main focus was technical information we didn't really care for 
marketing information what i mean by marketing is you know hey purchase this purchase that kind of thing it was mainly hey you want to learn about you know personalization you want to learn about this technical aspect of this development or this marketing technology this is the place for it and we were running simultaneous tracks in four different rooms and all of them i mean if you look at some of these pictures people were standing outside of the rooms watching looking in yeah um and there was you know constant interest for when is the next one going to be when is the next one going to be and from our end of it you know we have to align with sitecore right that's what we all work on right, so right. our our answer was yes you know it's going to be the year symposium is not going to be on because you know it was every 18 months to two years and so at that point anyways but come to think of it this year now sitecore wants to uh, do it every year which is great and yeah. you know it, this symposium was amazing uh, a lot more technical than it was the previous time as well so i think that'll be the focus of the symposium now it's running every year so the sitecore themselves will be forced to provide a lot more technical updates than they did the previous year because they're challenging themselves with doing it every 12 months so i think the goal for suckcon which was focus on the technical what you can take out right now and use it right now has transitioned into what the symposium is and is going to be from this point on and i hope that continues yeah yeah and i i think i would echo that i mean i look at the the past two symposiums i attended the the one in las vegas in 2014 and then the one this year in new orleans in in 2016 and i think there was a lot more actionable information shared in 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 New Orleans, just looking at a lot of the sessions I went to, and even if it wasn't a technical session, if it was a session aimed at marketers, as you kind of said, um, you know, there was a, there was a really great session where companies were sharing how they approached personalization. You know, here's you know, and they kind of went through. Here was our you know our business need. Here are the goals that we wanted on the site, and here's how we kind of approached it. Uh, or just even even really really large installations of, of Sitecore, saying here's how we're using personalization. It's you know it's it's pretty subtle, but like here's how we're doing this. Um, you know, and there was another one where they had a bunch of. Uh, strategy MVPs kind of do it was, a, it was almost like a you know one of those crash makeover shows of hey evaluate my site and tell me what you would th- you know how you would approach personalization on this and there was a there was a session on that and then even the technical stuff there was a there was a really great great presentation by the folks that run uh, Comcast and Comcast is you know for for those of us uh, out, outside of the the United States they're a large kind of cable TV and internet provider in, in the U S they serve something like 47 markets. Uh, one of the largest ISPs and you know, they, they have, uh, and talking to some of the folks there, they have one of the largest it's got, I don't know if it is, but it's gotta be close to one of the largest installations of Sitecore and how they're doing DevOps and kind of walking through like how they're managing hundreds and hundreds of content delivery servers and, and content management servers, how they have disparate teams working on stuff. And they kind of, you know, it was kind of a, a, to borrow a term for my, my children, it was kind of a show and tell of, of like how, this is how we're doing this at, at like massive scale. And they broke it down really well in terms of, how to, um, you know, how you could take bits and pieces of that and leverage it back kind of in your own practice. So that was, uh, you know, that was refreshing to see that as opposed to, you know, 2014 was pretty obvious. Sitecore was focused on getting Sitecore 8 out the door, getting, you know, building enthusiasm for it. I think 7.5 had just come out right around it. And then quickly 8 
beyond that. So it was, uh, you know, I, I definitely appreciate the trend, appreciate the trend that they're kind of making information a little bit more actionable. Yeah, no, absolutely. So looking back, you know, past SugCon, um, you know, an, another kind of community aspect you're you're actively involved in is the Psychor Hackathon. And I think if I'm not correct, you guys are looking to uh, run that competition again in the March timeframe for next year? Yep. Um, so yeah, Hackathon's been really amazing, honestly. Like it got started because I, I was looking through and um, couldn't find anything the Sitecore community does to bring, you know, it was all about bringing people together, right? If we see the common theme about half the things I do or more than half, I should say. But um, And it worked amazingly well the first time and each year from that point on, with the number of teams which represent which are represented in the hackathon the countries which are represented in the hackathon is growing right every single time and this year we wanted to make it a lot more feasible because every time i do this i tax peter and mark um a lot because they this is the exact time frame like end of january so they're busy with the mvp nominations november through january and this is the time when i ramp up um the sitecore hackathon and i'm constantly bothering them and expecting things which i need to get done uh, for promotional aspects as well as the whole setup and this year we wanted to do it a little bit differently i wanted them to have a little bit of a breathing room, not that they're ever free, but uh, I wanted the MVP stuff to go through. And the other aspect of doing it in end of January too is, uh, I'm not going to name names, but <clears throat> Jason um, usually gives excuses saying that there's a holiday party or some, you know, I just came back from vacation, um, things like that at the end of January. So it seems like a fairly busy kind of, um, time frame for people coming in, getting accustomed to the work again. So we wanted to move it a little bit further out into like a very dry month like March where we're in the mid- middle of the quarter, or no, I shouldn't say quarter, but middle of the uh, the vacation period, right? So we're before Easter, um, after the New Year's and all the other uh, time frames. So it seemed like the perfect time to do it. So this year, we're going to do it on March 3rd and we're trying to have a couple of surprises. I can't really share what they are, but sure. if they work out, it will be awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, Peter, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. So let's make it happen so people can enjoy it more. <laughs> so if we could, um, I think maybe for those uh, you know those people listening that aren't exactly familiar with what, you know, maybe they've heard of hackathons or, or anything. Like, what, what, what exactly, you know, from a, from a Sitecore standpoint, how would you, I guess, how would you explain the Sitecore hackathon? Yeah, that's a great question. So the reason why it's a great question, which I found out last year after running it for three times, is that people were actually very confused when we reached out to different countries like South America or Asia. People thought it was something it wasn't. So this is what a Sitecore Hackathon is, right? So the way we've been running it for the last three years, and it's going to be run this year, it's a 24-hour period which spans all time zones. So it starts Friday evening at 8 uh, Eastern and Friday, uh, Saturday evening at 8 Eastern time. So you have 24 hours. You could utilize all of them or none of them. It's totally up to you. So no one's expecting you to stay up the 24 hours, but a lot of people do. 
for you to be building a um, module out of a concept we provide. So right before the hackathon starts, like an hour before the teams get, uh, so it's not revealed publicly at that time, but the teams get information on what the ideas are. So usually there are two or three concepts or ideas we give them. Hey, you know, I want a third party integration. I want something built on XYZ. Um, and based on those ideas, in that one hour time frame before the hackathon starts, the teams look through the ideas, they brainstorm, and they figure out which idea they want to build a module upon, and then they get started. Um, at that point and anytime during the uh, hackathon, they can reach out to the community judges. So the hackathon itself has uh, three to four community judges who are part of the community. They're not Sitecore employees who helped me out because their job one is to guide teams with questions they might have with the rules or the deliverables, as well as post hackathon, they help uh, screen out all the ones which are qualified and disqualified based on the criteria set up. Um, and then we have then the site core um, judges as well who also go through the judging process and score the team. So the 24-hour span, the teams go ahead and build the concept based on one of the ideas provided. They submit the code um, as well as any documentation as well as a video which shows how the module is intended to be used. And then once that's done, their job is done. Usually people are tired during this 24-hour period. Um, there's like a page on Pinterest for every year we do this. And if you go look at that page, it's crazy. People are posting pictures about the pizza they're eating or someone completely <laughs> dead from all the work, sure. uh, things like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. I think it's a humongous um, uh, plus, if you're trying to team build, so usually I've seen where people team up one senior developer with a couple of junior developers. Mm -hmm. Team sizes, we recommend three uh, as the max team size, but some guys do it with two, you know, some... You know, some guys can't find team members, so we try to pair them up and things like that. So it's a completely online event. You don't have to go in somewhere physically sure. to do it. Uh, so teams coordinate on Slack or whichever tool they want to use um, for them to talk to each other. But they produce something, they get it onto the Dropbox or whichever we, we tell them to. And their job is done, which is great. <laughs> but my job and the community judge's job begins at that point where we screen through all of them whichever are disqualified or disqualified, whichever are qualified based on the rules we set forth, they get scored and then we pass that on to the side court judges. The side court judges score them as well and they send it back to me. And then we basically look at the scores, accumulate them and then come up with the top team for each of the categories we set forth. And then that's get that gets communicated um, with the team, and then there's like the hackathon prize, which uh, Peter works on. It's like a nice physical uh, hackathon prize, which is kind of cool. Nice. But uh, that's the entire process of the hackathon. Nice, nice. So, I mean, for for people listening, what were what are what are some of the topics that you guys have used in the past, for instance? Um, so last year was mainly based on Habitat, so like a Habitat feature or like an integration with the third party system, um, like a demo site. You know, some the ones before were mainly based on you know best integration module or best user experience uh, module or like a gamification kind of thing, which was really really cool. So. 
each time it's a little bit different as to what comes out. This right. time, what we're trying to do. So last year was based on Habitat, which kind of put uh, restrictions, right? So this time I was trying to figure out what people want. And the first thing everyone was quick to voice their opinion was on they don't want to be restricted with a specific framework so <laughs> let us build it the way we want to you're only giving us 24 hours but you can judge us on code quality the type of code you know all that fun jazz but not restrict to say hey use helix or use this which i think you know is very valid when i saw the pain points last time uh, it was kind of there was a learning curve right like with habitat was kind of new so everyone was trying to get used to it you know getting used to packaging them was a difficulty the size was a difficulty things like that but this year it's going to be a little bit different nice nice and who ultimately ended up winning last year oh last year uh, so we have uh, one of the teams, which is Team Unique, they usually, and for the past couple of times, they have won the contest. So they um, they won um, the, which one was that, the best third-party um, module integration. Sure. And then the Red Staffy, which is, I think, an Australian team, won the best Habitat feature module. And we didn't have any entries for the, the demo site, so there were only winners in two uh, two categories. Nice, nice. So the uh, demo site might be up for grabs again this year. Uh, maybe the ideas will be different, though. Yep, yep. Uh, so it'll be completely different. Hopefully, it will be interesting for people. We'll definitely have a link to the Psychor Hackathon information in the show notes. Uh, people can check it out there at uh, coresampler.fm. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I, you know, another another thing that you've been fairly prominent. In, in promoting and getting off the ground is is the unofficial training for Psychor. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what that is, and especially for you know folks that may not have heard of it yet. Uh, they're they're definitely you know it, it's definitely a way to get up to speed on Psychor rather quickly. Yeah, um, it's it's actually interesting. So <laughs> ever since I've known at least the last I think seven years or so, I've been working with like geographic teams. And one thing I noticed, whether you either work with uh, a partner or, you know, whichever de development team you work with, you know, not the sad truth is that everyone who works on a Sitecore project is not Sitecore certified. Um, that is the truth, whether people acknowledge it or not. Uh, to me, that is. And that's what I've seen working on this end of it. Mm -hmm. And what happens is these guys, whether they are willing or not, they get thrown into a Sitecore project. They are expected to do things and make everything work. And even a seasoned .NET developer has a little bit of a learning curve when they first get dropped into a Sitecore project because they just need to know the nuances. They just need to know the terminology, things like that. But once they get to it, they can go wherever they want. And what um, I noticed, and this is all personal experience and some other guys who um, would experience things where people would go through a sitecore training it's a lot of information to be processed in four days um, because they need to cover all the points and the people who go to the sitecore training primarily go for 
you know, mainly to get the certification and to be able to access the dev.sitecore.net to install sure, sites, sure. right? Yep. Uh, but they can't process that info fast enough in those four days. It's just not possible. So our idea was we want to target all these, you know, primarily for me, target all these offshore areas where people are starting to do sitecore development or thinking of doing sitecore development are already into it but train them taking a long period of time so if you notice the curriculum for the unofficial sitecore training it probably covers all the things which you would end up learning at the sitecore training anyways but it goes into depth each one and it takes a lot more time than you know a compressed amount of time and our goal is not to not only to do that, but to also bring other aspects. Like um, a couple of sessions ago, we brought in, you know, Glass. We brought in Synthesis. We brought in Fortis to talk about the ORM aspect of it. We are planning on doing the same with the e-commerce. We are planning on doing the same with Search. So, it's informative as well as educational, and we want to cover all the basic aspects of Sitecore first. Uh, and we, you know, we started recording them so we don't have to redo them. The first one, unfortunately, we couldn't. But our hope is to give free sitecore education to people, uh, and we don't, we we never claim to be experts by any means. You know, I ne- I never claim that I know everything about sitecore. I can figure things out. So can a lot of people. But we are sharing what our knowledge is, and you know, for certain aspects, we bring in like upcoming. We have uh, an intro to SP, which Michael West is going to do, and then uh, we want to do another session after that which is going to be an intermediate and then probably an advanced SPA user same thing with you know Vasily who does every Friday the best practices you know since he does it already since he has the information at hand and he can easily share that he's coming in to share that information about best best practices in Sitecore. And then Jason's going to be doing um, CI builds. And, you know, we're trying to approach different people in the community who have area of interest, right? So Dan, and he's listening, I know that he is. Um, I'm going <laughs> to have reached out to Dan to do stuff on testing, you know, things of that sort. So we want to give things which you can use right now, which is was the concept for SuckCon as well, but with people who are in the industry who do this from time to time, who have perfected a certain aspect of it, and we want to share that for free. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's it's a case too where where the official Sitecore training, you know, as opposed to your unofficial Sitecore training, the official Sitecore training, you know, there, there certainly is a cost to it. And a lot of organizations may not be able to afford to send all their developers to it. But this at least gives them the ability to get their other developers up to speed or have a training aspect that, you know, if, if they get brought onto a project, maybe, you know, maybe you're at a, uh, a firm that does, all sorts of development beyond Sitecore. If you're working on, you know, other content management systems, you can take a .NET developer and kind of show them the, the show them the ropes, so to speak, of, of Sitecore. And I think another part you, you touched on that's that's really uh, really key is that Sitecore's got to jam a ton of information into those four days, and it's you know it, it is definitely a whirlwind tour. And if you're new to that platform, I've talked to developers that have gone through that training recently, and they've they've gone through the four days, and they're like, oh, my head is just spinning because there's just there's there's so much to it, and it, and it kind of seems daunting. At least this gives you the ability to kind of go back review parts you know a lot of times maybe you're you're covering stuff that 
somebody else on the project's handling all the, the, the search aspect. You're not having to do that. But they're out of town. All of a sudden, you, you get a bug assigned to you that you know, some part of search isn't working. You can go back and kind of brush up on that. I think it's definitely definitely a value to the, the, the community. And I, there seems to be a lot of interest and a lot of uh, kind of demand for, for folks that can develop on the Sitecore platform. And, uh, you know, the, it's definitely lowering the bar of entry for someone who may be skilled at .NET and ASP.NET to kind of jump into the platform and at least, at least learn it and then also be able to hopefully have some consistency so we're not, uh, you know, I think we've all run into, you know, if you've been on the platform, you, you kind of help somebody else out on, a, on an existing implementation and you're kind of wondering why did they, why did they implement this? You know, why, why aren't they using data sources? That's, you know, why, what, now you can't use the experience editor. You know, so kind of also ingraining those, those best practices definitely, I think, will help all of us so we're not spending cycles on trying to troubleshoot less than less than ideal implementations yeah no i mean we see the interest right so it's it's funny how like you know each of these we posted like um jason's ci build yesterday and we already have like 50 people registered today and it, you can actually notice the change like every of those training sessions get over a hundred registrations, but not everyone makes it right. Mm -hmm. But when you see the video counts, it's like a thousand, 2000 times viewed in the past four months, which is great. I mean, there are people who come back to it, who refer to it, who look at it. So, and it's all part of the providing the knowledge for free, share what you have kind of mentality. But uh, there's a lot of interest just by the fact of the number of <laughs> recruiters who keep looking for good site core resources and can't find some. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's time for us to all share our knowledge, I guess. Well, and it's you know it's the 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 rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing as well. You know that we uh, spending less time on remediation projects of of implementations that you know you you've got a customer and you know an end client of uh, of Sitecore's that that purchase Sitecore and uh, you look at functionality like personalization or something like that. If if you're not developing in a manner that allows to you to vary that data source behind the scenes for for personalization. Now the marketer is like, well, you know, I spent all this money on Sitecore and it was supposed to do this cool personalization stuff and how come it, it, it doesn't do that? I think we're seeing less and less of that now, but because there's been, you know, a number of us banging the drum on on data sources and in being page editor compliant and experience editor compliant. But there's moving forward trying to keep trying to keep that momentum going so we're not, you know, kind of, you're not stuck in remediation projects of, you know, and quite frankly, now, you know, the, the, the customer may have paid a, a lot of money for the implementation and now, you know, remediation projects, just additional cost on top of that, which is, you know, it doesn't help anyone. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Akshay, it's been great talking to you. Uh, where can folks find you online if, if, if they're not able to, I, I think it would be hard not to find you online, but uh, if they wanted to be your friend online, where, where could they find you? Oh, I'm always looking for friends. Um, well, I'm active on like Twitter. Um, so my handle is AkshaySura13. Also on Slack, uh, as well as any other social networks and, you know, and the Sidecore Stack Exchange as well. So you can reach me. And then my blog is AkshaySura.com. So pretty much everything I do, all the links go to that. So you, you cannot miss me. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you're new to the platform, I, w I would, I would echo checking out Akshay's blog. You had a, he had a really good series on kind of like, this is how I would do it of just very common things, 
you do over and over in Sitecore. Uh, some, some some really good code patterns on, on on how to implement functionality that that that's common to just about any implementation. And you can find links to all of that at coresampler.fm as well as uh, past episodes. And with that, thanks Akshay for being on the show. Those of you listening at home, we'll talk to you next time. All right, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.